Welcome, everybody. I am Jonathan Trowan. Welcome to another episode of Shared Humanity, part of the self-love revolution, where we meet just some of the most amazing people on the planet. And today, we're with David Stone. And I, I love this. So David helps people learn how to stop worrying. Because <laughs> we, because worry like just takes up so much time and energy. Um, and and I even I love the name of of his his company. It's I fearless. I fearless. I love that. So so um, David and I haven't really connected much before, but I I just like to to meet people and share stories. So tell me, David, about you, and tell me about stop worrying. Okay. Well, I would love to. <laughs> That's what I live for these days. And I'll give you a little bit of the backstory, just a real quick one. Yeah. Um, I did not start out doing this. As you can see by looking at me, I'm 29 years old. And, and beautiful. Actually, uh, thank you. No, actually, at the age of 64, I finally figured out what I wanted to be when I grew up. And uh, it started when I was 55 and I had had a career and I, I started life as an architect, actually originally designing buildings and stuff. And then I transitioned, had a career as a marketer for about 30 years and it was fine. But then I'm sort of approaching the age where most people think about retiring. And I was thinking about what do I do for my next 40 year career? And uh, I thought, and I had been through an experience uh, about the age of 55. And like so many people, I worried a lot about everything. My go-to, my favorite one was money, but hey, we all worry about many things. And uh, you know, I spent my life worrying, being anxious. What if this doesn't work? You know, well, this month was good, but what about next month? <laughs> and uh, to the point, you know, I, I have this theory that um, the universe uh, nudges us occasionally with the things that we're supposed to learn. And, you know, it'll hint at us and it'll nudge us. But if we ignore it too long, it gets frustrated and eventually smacks us upside the head with a two <laughs> and says, hey, you're supposed to be paying attention to this. And for some people, it's a heart attack. And for others, it's a divorce. For me, it was homelessness. I literally worried myself. I worried about money so much that my worst fears came true. And in August of 2009, I found myself living in my car and not the living in my car like a road warrior that keeps hurts in business, literally going to sleep every night with my leg wrapped around the gear shift. And, uh, but the weird thing was I was still making a healthy six figures serving my clients all over the country and all over the world but wait, I wait. Had... so you had a job yeah i want to make sure i get you had a job making six figures yeah and you were homeless living in your car yeah it's it's the equation is really easy money in minus money out ah. <laughs> if that becomes a negative number got it you're done and but as I say, I think that it was, uh, you know, this giant wake up call. And to me, it was in at this point, it is one of the two best things that ever happened to me in my life. And uh, because it, it got my attention and re I realized I said, OK, I you know, my first reaction was, who should I blame for this? 
you know, it's got to be some, it's the government's fault. It's the economy's fault. It's my ex-wife's fault. It's, you know, it's got to be somebody's fault. And then as I thought about it some more and more, and I'm sitting in my car, I thought, and I'm analyzing that because I said, come on, David, you're a smart guy. You've got two university degrees. You know, you, you can figure this out. And I, the more I thought, the more I realized that there was in every action and every decision that had led up to that, there was one common denominator, and that was me. <laughs> I was the only one present for every decision and every action that had been taken. There were other people here and there, but I was the only one that had been there for it all. So, and that's a very sobering realization, but I thought, okay, well, I don't, I, you know, what, everything that I have done has led me to here. So I've been doing a bunch of things wrong because I don't want to be here. So I said, all right, I got to learn this. And everything that had happened was taking place in my brain. All this worry, all this anxiety, it happens in my mind. It wasn't external circumstances. So I said, all right, I'm going to become a student of my mind. And I set out to study everything that I could possibly learn about how my mind works and what worry is and what anxiety is and how these things affect your life and all the things that we attract into our lives. And you know, I spent uh, three or four years learning this stuff and to the point where I figured out how to completely and utterly stop worrying about anything ever. And I realized, and I said, wow, this is amazing. And so totally transformed my life. And every now, every single morning I wake up and my mind is full of nothing but the potential that this day offers. And I fall asleep at night being grateful for what the day brought. And yes, there were some challenges in it, but not a single thing do I worry about. And um, it just feels so fantastic. So as I was approaching you know, conventional retirement age and saying, what do I wanna be when I grow up? And as an, I've been self-employed all my life and as an entrepreneur, entrepreneurs always say, what does the world need? So I'm asking that question and I realize what the world needs is to stop being so damn afraid of everything <laughs> and to stop worrying. And I said, hey, I, I know how to do that. So I founded iFearless and set out to teach the rest of the world how to stop worrying. So, so how do we do it? Because here we are. Uh, yeah, I don't know when everyone's watching this, but we're still in the middle of, of uh, pandemic and, yeah. and all this. So, so there is so much fear about the virus, about the economy because of the virus, about personal work and people are laid off and will they work again? And when can we see our families again? There mm -hmm. is so much worry out there. Yeah, what, there what is. Do we do? Well, the first question we ask is, is it helping? The worry. No. Is the worry changing anything? No, it doesn't. Does the worry feel good? No, yeah. it's awful. Right, you know? So, okay, there's two strikes against worry. Number three, is the worry making us stronger and more fit? No, it's making us sick, literally. Worry, yeah. you know, chronic anxiety can literally make you sick in some very serious ways. Number four, is this worry, is our worry state of mind allowing us to grow into better people than we are? It, you know, is it allowing us to reach our potential? No, it's blocking our potential. 
And so there's four reasons. Number one, it feels awful. Number two, it accomplishes nothing. Number three, it makes us sick. Number four, it keeps us from becoming who we can be. So those are four great reasons to say, maybe there's a way out of this. So what if I say, what if I say so, but I, but I have to worry about it because that's when the solution will come. That's when I'll figure out what I'm supposed to do here. I hear that a lot. And what I do is, to, is point out that worry is a very different activity than problem solving. Problem solving is a wonderful thing. And we should, and we all have problems. We all, you know, there are challenges that face us, but there is two different approaches to it. Worrying is, is basically ruminating and going around and around in circles with the same thoughts over and over and over again. Problem solving is a very different activity. And we, the way we attack problem solving is, a, is we have a, a somewhat detached view of it. And we say, okay, I've got this situation. Now I'm going to study the situation and see what the, you know, what the components of it are. And, and then I'm going to think about the resources that I have or don't have to attack this problem. And I'll brainstorm a number of solutions and I'll experiment. I'll try the solutions. And if I get some results, I'll do more of that. If I don't get results, I'll change and try a different one. Worrying though, however, is I'm always in the same spot because the thoughts that I have waking up or in, in the middle of the night today are exactly the same as I did yesterday and tomorrow and next week. And I don't make any forward progress. So we'll distinguish between those two because I do hear that from people. That is so powerful. I just want to pause there for a second to let that really sink in. Everyone who's watching, problem solving and worrying are two yeah. separate things. So if you can separate them, worries here, problem solving here, you can choose where you want to go. That, that's so powerful. Let me reinforce that because the, uh, the language that we use uh, really affects our minds, you know, the language is sort of that we use, the words that we use are a reflection of what's going on in our heads. And I want to give you an example here for, let's say you're, it's dinner time, you're in the kitchen, you're chopping up some vegetables for dinner, and the knife slips and you cut your finger. And it hurts. Ow, that really hurts. But when you talk about the cut, you say, I have a cut. And my finger hurts like heck, but my left foot feels just fine. <laughs> and so I go into the bathroom, I put some polysporin on it and I put a Band-Aid on it. And I know looking at the cut that it hurts like heck right now, but it'll, it'll be fine tomorrow. And you know, a week from now, I'll have forgotten all about it. And even if I, you know, if I break my leg, I say, I have a broken leg and doctor will put a splint on it and it'll repair itself. But when we talk about worry and anxiety, we use different language. We say, I am worried. I am anxious. And there's a significant difference because that is identifying. That says, this is who I am. This is my identity. My identity is worry. My identity is anxiety. And it it kind of owns us rather than it's just a condition that a temporary condition that I'm dealing with because we can say I have some concerns that I'm working to, to get rid of. But when I say I am worried, 
that's a whole different kind of thing. The words I am are really powerful and whatever it follows that tends to kind of dictate our lives and, and tell us what's coming. And, and it's a pre great predictor of what's coming down the road. Yeah, I mean, and you can translate that into so many emotions. You know, I, I am that I am angry. No, I, I, I have sadness. I, I yes, have anger. Yeah, I have yeah. frustration. I have joy. I, all of it. That's uh -huh. so powerful. Yeah, that's exactly right. But let's get back to sort of the root of how we can attack this worrying. And yes. you know, I've been using some. Uh, you know, I'm. I'm I'm leaning towards people saying, being more objective about it, a little bit detached. And so when I decided to study worry and anxiety, I, I took the approach that I'm going to be a scientist in a laboratory and I'm going to study this thing. I've got this blob of anxiety sitting on my laboratory bench and I'm gonna look at it under a microscope and I'm gonna dissect it, see what it's made of, learn everything I can about it. And so the first thing that we learn when we study worry and anxiety is that it is a mental choice that we make. And most people say, no, no, it's built into my DNA. It's, you know, it's just a fact of life. It's uh, everybody worries. Well, that's a different statement. The fact, you know, it's a fact of life is one statement. Everybody worries is a different statement because it's true. The vast majority of people worry and therefore we say it's normal. And therefore, it must be just a natural part of living. Well, normal does not mean required. You know, normal, we have underfunded schools, that's normal. We have raging partisan politics, that's also normal. But does it mean it's good and that we're better off as a result of it or that we must have it? No, and it's the same with worry. Worry is a mental choice that we've been making. You know, here's an interesting thing. When an infant, a newborn, comes into the world, they are born with two and only two fears. One is the fear of loud noises, and the other is fear of falling. After that, every single thing that we shrink from or are afraid of is learned or conditioned. And when we're very young, we're, we're taught that the world is a scary place. You know, don't talk to strangers and uh, don't touch that. You might get sick. It, you know, it might be dirty and uh, don't hang out with those people. They're, they're, you know, they'll be a bad influence. Now, when you're six years old and walking home from school by yourself, don't talk to strangers is a really, is really good advice. But when you're 36 or 56 and you still, you know, have worry and anxiety about talking to strangers, well, that's gotten a little out of hand. And we need to recognize that there, we can take a different approach. So this choice, this mental choice that we make when we're presented with a, a situation that, that we feel threatened by, we've done this for so long that it has simply become a mental habit. It's a mental choice that we've made so often that it's become a, 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 a habit and habits drop below the level of consciousness. So we don't even think about them. And that makes it feel as if it's just a natural part of who we are. Now, habits are really interesting. We, we have good habits and we have bad habits. And good habits are wonderful because 
I, I mean, take for example, you know, I get home from work every day and I walk in the house and I drop my car keys in the little bowl by the, on the table by the front door. Well, that's a really useful habit because I've solved the problem of where should I put my keys? I solved that problem one time and I don't have to solve it every day or rethink, where are my car keys? They're in the bowl, dummy. And, uh, but uh, so we, you know, it drops below the level of consciousness and we can't even remember putting our keys in the bowl, but there they are, it must have happened. The bad habits are the same thing. They drop below the level of consciousness and we don't even think about it. And so uh, a situation that might, we perceive as threatening comes along and what's our instant go-to thing? Worry because we've just done it so long, that's just our instant response, as opposed to, hmm, let me think about the situation. Does it, you know, is it actually a threat? Is it, uh, and if it is, how should I best uh, deal with this? And that's how we can start saying, no, I'm not gonna worry. If it's a problem, then I'll, I will find out how to best solve this. Uh, but if it's so what's your, so what's your new habit then? So, so I, I, yeah, I totally, we have good habits, bad habits, and we don't, most people don't know they have habits, right? So we have to, we have to know what our habits are first. So what's your new habit? So something comes to you and it's something that most of us would go, Oh my God, what am I going to do with this? What, what do we do now? What new habits have you built around it? How do you, how do you face these things? There are three. There are three main new mental habits because you know what you point out is absolutely true. And we can repl- we can get rid of any habits that we don't like, but the only way to get rid of an old habit is by replacing it with a new one. A habit just won't go away by itself. So we want to replace worrying with three new habits. The first one is gratitude. And we want to start teaching ourselves to be much more grateful, much more appreciative of the things that we have. So I have trained myself and the people that I work with and coach, I I work with them and coach them to develop a habit of gratitude. So every, excuse me, every single morning when I wake up, before I have gotten out of bed while I'm still lying on the pillow, I instantly say, okay, quick, David, five things that I'm grateful for right now. And not just sort of the, you know, the easy go-to stuff. I'm grateful for my life. I'm grateful for my family. That's easy stuff. I want real specific things. I am grateful for this really comfy pillow that my head was just on for the last eight hours. I am grateful for that sunbeam that's coming through the blinds right now. I am grateful for the uh, the blueberries and the, the fresh yogurt that's waiting in the fridge for me to enjoy for my breakfast. Let's get really, you have to think about it. And then what we do is start teaching ourselves to be grateful through the day. Like right now, you and I are here together and I am thinking I'm grateful for Steve Jobs because here I've got my lovely little MacBook Air that allows me here in Florida and you in Austin, Texas to be like we're in the same room. And uh, you know what an amazing thing. And you and I couldn't do this without that. So thank you, Steve Jobs. You know, and I'm grateful for this glass of water that I've got right here in case my, you know, I get a catch in my throat. 
So it's just tiny little stuff, but we train our mind to instantly go to the thing that we're grateful for because it is impossible to hold a thought of gratitude and a thought, an anxious or worried thought in your mind at the same time. You cannot do it. Try it. You can't do it. You know, be worry about something and try to be grateful at the same time. One or the other will disappear. So that's the first mental habit. The second mental habit is what I call replace it with purpose. Now, what does that mean? I believe that every one of us was put here on earth, came to this earth for a particular reason. Now, unfortunately, not too many people have figured out what that reason is. I've heard a great saying. It says the two most important days of your life. Day, first one is the day you're born. And the second one is the day you figure out why. Mm, and so our purpose is our why. Why are you here? What does your soul want to accomplish here? And far too many people just go through life on autopilot and, well, what am I here for? I'm here to make a living so I can pay the mortgage, put groceries on the table and wait till I, I retire and then I can start having fun. You know, we spend our lives waiting. But the people that have discovered their purpose, their why, have reasons to get up in the morning. They get up excited because I want to work on this. I want to do this what, thing. What's your purpose? What, what is my purpose? Yeah, yeah. Mine is to help people stop worrying right wow. now. That is my purpose. Is to, my goal is to help 10 million people kick the worry habit. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And we'll talk in a second about what that can be like, what the, what the, world, would, what the world is like when you stop worrying. But when you find your purpose, I mean, you've got a purpose as well. You know, I see the work that you've done and, uh, and it's amazing. I do. I'm, I'm the good spirit who radiates love. That is my life purpose. I say Exactly. And good. how many people have you helped as a result of that? How many smiles have you yeah. put on their faces? How many blood pressures have you reduced? <laughs> you know, that's really worthwhile. Now, you know, we talk about people, you know, there's famous people who have had missions, you know, Martin Luther King, I have a dream and amazing. Uh, Nelson Mandela, uh, I mentioned Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, his, his mission put a, a, you know, a computer on in every home. Um, Mother Teresa, Greta Thunberg these days, an incredible mission to raise awareness about climate change. These people, you know, huge global impact with their purposes. You and I and most people, no, we're a whole lot smaller than that. And that's okay. Your purpose, your why does not have to be earth changing. And I will give you a really good example of exactly this. My wife um, had a, an aunt of hers who passed away a couple of years ago at the age of 99. Just this beautiful, beautiful person. And her purpose, her why in her later years was she would every day sit and knit. But she, what she would knit is the little caps that they put on the preemie babies in the hospitals and the little booties that they put on to keep them warm. She would crank out dozens of these things and then send them to the hospital. And 
you know, it didn't change the world. It didn't make climate change go away. It didn't take away the, you know, the, all the. But it did change the world. A person's life changes the it world. It absolutely did. Life. It changed the world. Powerful. Yeah. And the nurses in the hospital, they would send her these thank you notes. Yeah. I get choked up. <laughs> think about yeah. it. And, but, you know, it took her to the age of 99 and you, to meet, see her and watch her and the smile on her face that it brought to her. It just, and, and here's the other thing we talked about. You can't hold a grateful thought and a worried thought at the same time. You cannot have your mind filled with purpose and be worried at the same time. If your mind is filled with purpose, then the, the challenges that come along, that's all they are. They're simply challenges, obstacles to be overcome. Oh my, this thing's gotten my way. Okay, how can I get over it, under it, around it, through it? That's all they become. They don't become worries that paralyze us. Yeah. So that's the second new habit is replace it with purpose. And the third new habit is something I call instant action. Now, here's how instant action works. It's three o'clock in the morning or it's two o'clock in the morning and you're wide awake and your eyes are like this. Why? Because your head is going around and around and around. And, you know, go ahead. I don't care whether it's COVID or whether it's, you know, my retirement income or this mole on my arm or, you know, I'm worried that my significant other doesn't love me anymore. I don't care what it is. You're lying there in the middle of the night, wide awake, worrying. And now you've been lying there wide awake long enough. And you're now you're worrying about worrying. I should be able to get back to sleep. I'm not going to have enough sleep. I'm not going to be able to function tomorrow. Ah, so it just compounds and snowballs. So here's what you do. Stop trying to go back to sleep. Get up. Get out of bed. Put on your robe. Go out into the living room, into the kitchen. Sit down. And in the next five minutes... <laughs> Find something, one action that you can take right now that will help address this problem that you're facing. Because that's what, remember, we're going to switch from worry to problem solving. So let's say you're worried about money. Okay, good. Sit down, get out a piece of paper and write out a budget for the next 30 days. Make yourself a budget. Here's how much money I've got. Here's how much my, here's what my expenses are. I'm gonna write them down. I'm gonna add them all up. And you know, money in does not equal money out. That's okay. I now know exactly how much I'm short. Great. And now, now I know what, I, I understand exactly what the problem is that I will now face. Uh, if you're worried about your health, get up in the middle of the night and you think, oh, you know, I'm, I'm worried about my blood pressure. I'm worried about getting diabetes because I'm uh, 20 pounds overweight or whatever. Okay, great. Get up in the middle of the night, go online and order yourself a Peloton machine and it'll be there in two days and sit on it and start cycling or go on, you know, if you're thinking about diet, go online and, and research a healthy diet for yourself and start doing these things. Because what's happening when you do this is instead of the worry and the anxiety owning you, you are now owning it. The dynamic has shifted. Instead of it controlling you, you're now controlling it. And really, you're, you're, you're owning the problem solving part of it. Exactly. You're saying, you're saying worry's not going to own me. And in fact, yep. I'm not even going to deal with worry. There's a problem. Yep. I, I am a problem solver. I'm going to practice. And if, and if you're not, it's okay. Cause yep. problem solving 
It's a skill. Skills uh -huh. practice. I'm going to practice just like you're, you're shooting basketballs or playing piano. I'm going to practice my, my problem solving techniques. That's beautiful. That is exactly right. And as I say, the dynamic has shifted completely because you're not worried anymore. You're, you're now you know, taking control. The, the feeling of empowerment that comes when you do that is tremendous. Now, so one action, then before you go back to bed, write down three, things, three more things that you can do in the next 24 hours to address this problem, this challenge that you're facing. And it might be make an appointment with my healthcare professional. It might be make an appointment with a financial advisor. It might be uh, write a letter to this person that I'm you know, having some relationship issues with or whatever, or call them. Okay, there, I've decided. Because what you've done now, you now are in control of this problem. The worry has gone away and you can go back to bed. You will fall asleep in 30 seconds and sleep like a baby because you've taken control of it and everything has changed. So, so oh. give me the three steps again. Give me the nutshell. Okay. Number one, gratitude. All right. Practice gratitude. And when you are in a worry, you know, if you catch yourself worrying, break, uh, psychologists call it pattern interrupt and uh, interrupt this pattern of thinking and say, okay, right now I have to think of five things I'm grateful for. Five things that are going really, really well in my worry life. Before it comes, or I notice, though usually you don't notice it when yep. it comes. As soon as I notice that it's here, boom, stop, interrupt, gratitude. Exactly. And you'll find your whole mood shifting, your body, you know, you'll stand up straighter, your a smile will come on your face, and that changes the dynamic completely. You've interrupted that pattern. Because it all it is is that habit, and now you've interrupted the habit. So that's the first one, gratitude. The second one was replace it with purpose. What is your why? Why do you get up every morning? And if you're not sure what that purpose is, you know, if you haven't really come through that, then that's a very worthwhile exercise. And I've, you know, I've got stuff. I've got. Uh, I, I wrote a book last year. Here, here it is. It's called "Unsubscribe from Anxiety." Oh, I love that. All right, because and that's exactly what you're doing. You know, no, sorry, unsubscribe. Don't want that in my life anymore. Thank you. Anyway, so but we talk in the book about if you don't know what your purpose is, here's how you find it out. What are the things that got you excited when you were a kid? What were the things that, you know, when you were a young adult, you said, here's how I'm going to change the world. How have you lost that? Why did you lose that? Why not go back to that and start thinking about that again? What is it that gets you in the zone? You know, that zone that athletes talk about. What, is the, what are the activities that you do and you just lose all sense of time? Because those are all clues as, about, as to your why. Maybe it's gardening. Maybe it's painting. Maybe it's uh, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. But find your why. And then, you know, when I'm worrying, get back to my why. Why, you know, what is it I'm trying to do? Why is it important to overcome this challenge? Because I'm working at this, towards this larger thing that I came across. And then the third one, is instant action, instant action. Right now I'm catching myself worrying. And if it's two o'clock in the morning, get up and get out of bed and take some action. If it's two o'clock in the so afternoon. If, so if it's 2 a.m. though, if it's 2 a.m., do I have to do the gratitude first or just go to instant action? Like do those well, steps have to go in order? 
No, they don't have to go in order. Okay. But, uh, you know, gratitude is always a great way to warm up your brain and, and do that interruption of the pattern. Mm-hmm. So I, you know, I just, again, I you know, probably three times an hour these days. I just, you know, oh, yeah, look at that. Oh, Gratitude's a there, great there habit, a... everyone. Just do it all the time. Yeah. Don't wait for nighttime for your gratitude journal. Just yeah. do it all the time. All the day, all day long. And you don't have to write it down. Like right now, you know, I, I was coming on to you and, and I just came back. I, I, I go for a run every morning and I just came back uh, from it and I had my shower and I, you know, look at this. There was a clean shirt hanging in the closet for me to put on so that I could meet with you. And you know, wow, the cool things that, you know, that uh, went into that shirt hanging there that I could just grab and put on and say, wonderful. I hey, can if, you worry, if you're willing to worry all the time, why not be willing to have gratitude all the time? Exactly. Exactly. There, there's an important thing that I want to talk about for a second, Jonathan, and that is the difference between fear and anxiety. And there's a really important difference because there, it is a little bit of a continuum, but I want your listeners to understand the difference. Fear is a really, really useful biological response to a real and present danger. So, and it was built into us like millions of years ago when the saber-toothed tigers were trying to eat us for lunch, but it still works today. So you're walking along the sidewalk and maybe you're texting or whatever, and I you know, go to cross the street and I step out in the street and I look and ah, there's a bus coming. Now, what happens is your brain, your mind has perceived a, a danger that's coming at you and your body is designed and, and instantly kicks into emergency mode. Now, what happens is uh, you, you start pumping adrenaline into your system and that gives you, it, it increases your strength. It increases your uh, reaction time or sort of shortens your reaction time. Cortisol kicks into your system and that um, you know, raises your, your heartbeat and increases your breathing rate. But what it's doing is it's priming your body to take action, to take physical action to escape danger. And that's really useful. And so what happens, you see the bus and you jump and you're back on the sidewalk and you're safe again. Now, that system is designed to respond to an emergency. And the definition of emergency is, oh my God, something terrible is happening, but it's very short lived. And so I jump back to the sidewalk, the bus goes by, and now I can relax. My heart rate goes back down. My breathing goes back down. Those hormones get, you know, dissipated out of my system and we're back to normal. Where the problem lies is when we perceive what we think is a danger that is somehow more vague or off in the distance. So a bus coming at me, that's real and it's right now, but worrying about my retirement, that's kind of mm, off in the distance or worrying about, you know, I've got a doctor's appointment next Tuesday and I, oh, it's, am I gonna get a bad diagnosis? That's, it's more vague, but the body doesn't know the difference. The body says, oh, the mind is perceiving a, a problem, an emergency. I have to kick into emergency response mode. So the adrenaline starts pumping, the cortisol starts pumping, but the emergency just hangs around. And it's kind of, we're not sure what to do with it. 
And when those substances, when those hormones stay in your body for an extended period of time, which they do when we have chronic anxiety or chronic worrying or frequent worrying, some really nasty things start happening to you. You know, the, uh, the, we, uh, diabetes, um, heart disease, um, gastrointestinal problems. There's a long, long list of the negative effects of chronic anxiety. And it's because uh, of these, the body's response to these things. So let, you know, fear is great and it's really useful, but, and, and our ability to respond to fear is wonderful, but it's kind of like the fire department. It's nice to know it's there, but the best days are the days when we don't need to call on it. And, uh, and so- This is really interesting. I've, I've never heard that separation before between fear and anxiety. Mm. So fear is something that's happening right now mm -hmm. and your body's responding to it appropriately yep. and anxiety is the body's still responding to it but it's not happening right now yeah so, and it may uh, not even happen and it, may you know, it happen. might happen it might not and if it does it's somewhere in the distant future or you know it's tomorrow but nonetheless i'm still having this fear response and so is anxiety and worry then? What, what's the relationship between anxiety and worry? They're just, the they're, they're pretty much the same thing. They're the same. You know, and it's just sort of different degrees. You know, fear is at one end, you know, it's a spectrum. And, you know, you can have uh, a low-grade anxiety. You can have, you know, the really panic attack kinds. And so it's a spectrum. But we, it really serves us well to say, no, I understand the difference. If I'm... You know, if I'm in a in a situation where, you know, I genuinely my body, my life is in danger, then that's why we yeah. respond to that, and and it, and it's good to do that. But the the number of instances where we are in those situations are extremely small. In fact hard to think of situations where so so yeah so we get to ask ourselves am i am i am i afraid of my life in this moment or is this really worry anxiety yeah and if it's worry anxiety gratitude mm -hmm. yep. purpose instant action that's right let's take covid for example all right let's because it's it's all around us and we're perceived you know we're having this we feel threatened in some kind of a way because oh, oh there's this disease that might get me. And if it does get me, then I might just get mildly sick. I might get really sick. I might die. None of these things have happened yet, but our body, you know, our mind is sensing a threat. So our body responds. Now let's think about COVID. Let's think about those things. Um, let's talk about gratitude. I am incredibly grateful for all the amazing uh, medical professionals who are taking care of those who are sick the ones who are doing the research to try and find the vaccine. And, you know, the news we're hearing now is that they might be, uh, you know, something might be coming shortly. Uh, I have tremendous gratitude for that. I have tremendous gratitude for the uh, healthcare professionals who are advising me as, and you and everybody else has to, here's how to behave to limit your exposure to it. Etc. So now I'll flip it into, you know, so I'm grateful for those things. I'm grateful for the fact that as of right now, I'm, I'm just fine. And that's great. What a wonderful day it is. And I can go out for a run. Um, then we move into the life's purpose thing. 
And I say, well, I've got this purpose and my purpose is to help people stop worrying. Boy, is that ever needed now? So get on with it, David, you know, spread this message even further because more people even need it. What about instant action? So I'm worried about COVID. Okay, what are some things, what's some action I can take right now? Well, they've been telling us for months now, wear a mask, stay, you know, do social distancing, don't hang around in big crowds. It's real simple. Uh, and so there you go, you took it. Now you've the threat, you have managed the threat as best you possibly can. Great, get on with your life and the worry is not serving you. It feels awful, it's not helping, etc. And I can just instant say action, Instant action can also be, if you're already wearing your mask and you're already doing all that stuff and you're still worried, uh, you know, one, one of the fallouts from COVID is disconnection. So mm -hmm. you know what? instant action, create connection, call somebody. That's right. Someone you haven't spoken to in a year or 10 years. I, I've been doing this. I, I, I tell people to do it every day. Okay, yep. honestly, I'm not following my advice. I don't actually do it every day, but I do do it. And I randomly call people and they're all so surprised to hear from me. Yeah, just yep. checking in, seeing how you're doing. We have great conversations, sometimes an hour long, sometimes yep. 10 minutes long. Um, instant action, create connection. That's a good one. Here's another one. This one's wild and crazy, all right? Get a pen and write somebody a letter. Bro. When was the last time you wrote a letter? Ah, how beautiful. When was the last time you got a letter? Can you imagine if you, I mean, it's, you know, we're recording this just prior to the Christmas season and doesn't it feel neat to get a Christmas card in the mail from somebody and, you know, imagine the thrill somebody would get to receive a handwritten letter, an old fashioned handwritten letter from some, from you. That would, they, they'd remember it for months and months and months because it's so unusual. Well, there's a way to connect. There's instant action. Write a letter to somebody. So many <laughs> you blow their socks off. Just begin to get creative. So many things yeah. you can do. Oh yeah, yeah. Before we close, I, I just want to highlight one thing that you said way at the beginning, not mm -hmm. about worry, um, but I think is important for people to hear that you started this late in life. You, you had your architect yeah. career, you had your other career. And, um, and you know, we didn't, we didn't say it straight out, but here's what I want everyone to hear is that it's not too late. For oh. anything, when I when I was 30, 35, you know, I, I, I was working in the entertainment business. I was in LA mm -hmm. and uh, I thought I could not do anything else with my life. Mm. And when I started not liking it, um, I thought, well, what am I gonna, this is all I know how to do. This is what I have to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, so inspiring to see someone, it's late in life, no. Here's my mission, now I got it. I didn't know it then, it doesn't matter. You're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, yeah. 80, Today, mm -hmm. you can start anew. Absolutely. Purpose. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I hear people say, oh, I couldn't go back to school. Do you know how old I'd be by the time I'd finish? I'd, and my answer is, yeah, exactly the same age as you would be if you didn't go back to school and a whole lot, you know, <laughs> but you'd be a whole lot happier and a whole lot more fulfilled. Uh, you're and thanks for bringing that up, Jonathan, because it is absolutely true. It is never, ever too late. Uh, and I hear people say that, oh, I can't do that. It's too late. I missed the opportunity. No, you didn't. I heard a great phrase that said, the best time to plant a tree, best time to plant a tree, 25 years ago. The second best time to plant a tree, today. Today. 
So do it today, man. Yeah. Thank you so, so much, David. How can people reach out to you? Learn more. Oh, thank you. Uh, best way I've, I've started a Facebook group. It's called fearless living and growth society. The Fearless Living and Growth Society. You can just search for it on Facebook and uh, we would welcome you to come in because that's what we talk about. We teach this stuff in the group. You can also go to my website, which is i-fearless.com. So i-fearless.com. And right. we'll have that info, info, I don't know, below, next to above, who knows where, where it is, okay. you see it. Um, man, thank you, David, so much. Thank you for sharing with us. Thank you for all that information. You guys, you, you got something you can do today, right now. Do it. Uh, thank you, Jonathan. My pleasure. I love sharing it. We'll see everybody later. We'll see you next time. Bye. Yep.